0: Back on the show, we have Dr. Lucas McMillan. He's a naturopathic physician, and he's a clinic director at Delbrook Integrative Medical Clinic. Welcome back, Dr. McMillan.
1: Hello, Christine.
0: Yeah, so today's topic, we're going to be talking about digestion, gas, and bloating. Um, Is this more of a concern with the pandemic happening and
1: Definitely. Um, Yeah, we've seen quite a few changes in health since the pandemic. Uh, Sleep and anxiety have definitely been part of those. And I think it directly ties into the digestive issues that I've been seeing a bit more of. Um, At the same time, there's definitely been more drinking. I've seen quite a bit more alcohol consumption, and probably more of that comfort food eating. So I think all of those things can fuel digestive concerns to some extent. And I think in many cases, they, they perpetuate the problem. It's, it's not always the issue itself, but it often exposes the issue or really perpetuates it and keeps it going.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, do you think too, is that um, like you might be eating healthy, but you're not really mindful eating, like you're not relaxed when you eat, like you're standing, you're always in a rush. I mean, that could cause, you know, digestion problems like bloating.
1: Absolutely. I I actually love that you brought that up. Uh, A big conversation I love to have with people is that we need to chew more. We need to spend some time breaking these foods down. If we don't actually have enough time spent breaking the foods down into roughly a liquid paste, the acids, enzymes, bile, everything our body uses to actually attack that food and break it apart into something that's absorbable can't access the food we have one chance to break all the food down and that's when we chew it. That's slowing things down so we can actually break it apart. If we don't, the acids, enzymes, bile, and everything is working from the outside in. It doesn't have a chance to break through all of it by the time it's pushed out of the stomach or in the next part of the digestive process. So I I think that's huge. And further, that stress response we have, if we're really pushing forward, like if we're, we're working while we're eating, if we're not slowing down enough to actually be present with the food, to give our body a chance and go through the normal processes of eating, we're, we're starting behind the eight ball and we have less of that enzymes. Our peristalsis isn't quite gonna work right. I mean, our mouth can be drier, like right from the top of the digestive tract. We're starting a little bit behind where we should be. We're not revving up the engine like we should by being present with that food.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do we, How do we, you know, like sitting down actually and, and taking the time to eat and like you said, chew and not, um, you know, just relax more um, and that will help. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And if we take time to really, truly enjoy it, I mean, we shouldn't necessarily live to eat. We shouldn't make our entire lives about food, but food is quite an amazing thing. And I think we should take the time to really appreciate the small benefits that we get, including the smell of the food cooking. Um, Digestion starts with the mind. It doesn't start with chewing or with saliva. It doesn't start with that physical property. It's very much when you start thinking about it. So if there's a food that's really attractive to you, if you really like, say, a well-made guacamole that has lots of avocado in it, um, if you're like our family and you like that strong lemony flavor, um, you put everything in. If you smell that, if you imagine it, you can really get the digestive juices flowing. And I think that Spending a little bit more time with that is a huge plus. Um, and mm-hmm. with our modern world, with our smartwatches, with our iPhones, with our computers, iPads, many times these things are right beside us or they're attached to us while we're cooking, while we're preparing for a meal. So we're mm-hmm. distracted. We're we're completely, you know, we're completely focused on other things that have nothing to do with digestion. And then we wonder why our digestive system isn't working as well as it could. So I, I think getting back to the basics sitting down, enjoying it, ideally making it a family event as much as we can. Um, I think those are huge benefits to allow our natural processes that probably work quite well on their own, let them do their best work.
0: Yeah, it's like no multitasking, like cooking and then checking your phone or responding to emails. And, you know, it should be, you know, methodically do one thing at a time to be in that relaxed state.
1: Absolutely. I mean, to, to the reasonable extent, I, I sure wish we could be perfect all the time. And I, I wish I could, and, you know, I, I, I do actively try to work on these things, but I always try to come back to what I'm capable of and what my patients have told me they're capable of. And we don't necessarily need to be perfect, but if we're never addressing these things, if we're never taking that time, there's we're clearly imbalanced too far in that direction. So I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage trying it out. And if it's going to help you, it'll help you quite quickly. I mean, in a few days, we should see some differences in digestive process. If that is the problem, if that's a big part of what's holding us up, like it doesn't take long to feel the benefits.
0: Yes. Like what would be one symptom, if you will, that you know, it's a serious situation. Like if you, you're having constant digestive problems all of a sudden, um, is that mm. normal?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it can be, um, it's not necessarily abnormal to have a little bit of fluctuation. So, um, Yeah, we should probably go there. I talked about poop quite a bit in my practice. I I think it's something that every living person does. If they did, not they wouldn't be living for very long. Like it's a very important process, but for some reason it's a little bit of a taboo and it's something that people aren't really comfortable talking about. So I think that combining that with the gas and bloating is is a really, really good topic to go to. So some of the things to watch for and some of the questions that I would ask and that truly people can kind of ask and monitor themselves is, whether or not we're seeing the big things, like if you're seeing blood or mucus in stool, um, that's a sign that there's some kind of irritation going on. Sometimes it's something very serious. Honestly, most times it's not. It's most commonly a hemorrhoid or a small, essentially a small tear if we've had a little bit more of a constipated movement in the recent past. Um, as a side note, those can take a month or a very long time to heal in some cases, and that could be considered normal, but um, always good to be checking those things out. Um, if we ever see blood in the toilet bowl in the actual water itself, if it's not related to a menstrual cycle, um, that's something that's definitely worth bringing up to your doctor and potentially getting another assessment done. A little bit of blood on the toilet paper isn't actually that uncommon, and that's most of what we would see if we had that external hemorrhoid or some or internal or something that causes that that minimal amount of bleeding. Um, those would mm-hmm. definitely be the the starting points. Like let's let's be sure there's nothing major going on here. Um, a few other points I really like to look at. A healthy stool will sink. Um, it'll be dense enough to be denser than water. It'll go to the bottom of the toilet bowl. If we have a large amount of fiber, that's probably the exception where things can float a little bit. Um, if we do see floating stools, it's either that it's very loose or that we're not absorbing our fats very well. If we're not absorbing fats, you can often see it. It's like a floating, kind of a clear, sometimes orange, yellow oil. Um, sorry for the graphic nature, but I again, I really, <laughs> I want to get the word out but I really think that we should talk about this. Every living person does this. So let's, let's be okay with it. Let's have these conversations as to what's normal, what's not normal. And when should I see college?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so having digestive uh, discomforts would be, you know, you're constipated, you have a headache, uh, heartburn, like all these mm-hmm. things,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. They can, they can very much tie together. Um, some cases they're quite separate. So I, I try to look at the the picture of what's going on. If I get the sense that there's some foods they're eating that really aren't agreeing with them, then the chances of being related are much higher. So Mm -hmm. for example, I consider eggs to be a really healthy food. Um, they have a lot of proteins. They have choline, which is a really cool source of choline. They have a number of vitamins that give them their color, um, kind of the A vitamin group. There's a lot about eggs that I really like, but I've had patients that have major skin rashes if they eat eggs or patients that have major digestive issues, especially that reflux or kind of a constant gas and bloating that are related to eggs. So it certainly doesn't mean that we should all stop eating them because they're a very healthy food, but Mm -hmm. we should also be aware that sometimes our body doesn't like something specific. And in my personal case, if I eat celery, my tongue goes numb. It's, it's kind of a weird feeling. It's a strange phenomenon. I, I love bringing it up to people because it reminds us that we are a bit different and that I process things a bit differently than you do. And there is no perfect diet that we can find that will be absolutely perfect for everyone. Some of us will get reflux from that perfect diet. Some of us will get that numb tongue phenomenon. phenomenon. Some of us will get other more major digestive concerns. And it's all part of the picture that we can take time to try to eliminate the causes ourselves and find these patterns, try to figure out what our body likes and what it doesn't like. That's a huge part of this puzzle.
0: You think it's a good idea, Dr. McMillan, to record it, like to keep some sort of, um, you know, information, like, you know, when, you know, when you've been having, you know, it could be anxiety that's causing digestive problems.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it's actually a tool I use pretty regularly. So if we have, especially a new set of symptoms, um, if it's been going on for a little while, so you don't think it's going to go away on its own or it's not leaning in that direction. Um, or if we just if we have something that's more sporadic that comes and goes and we don't fully understand why um, a diet diary and a symptom diary put together are a very common thing that I turn to. Um, it's a little bit more work than it sounds. I've done these personally. I've, I've had quite a few brought back so I can tell you that usually people are amazed by the, the effort that it takes to, to put into what you're eating, into what you're feeling. But by the time people bring them back, I usually don't need to say anything. Usually people will say, you know, I noticed that when I eat this, I have these symptoms. Um, I'll usually have them fill it out for one week, a maximum of two weeks. I'll never go beyond that. I think that one week is almost always enough. Um, in some cases, going back two days is plenty, but um, a one week diet diary matched up. Like when you eat the food, roughly how much you eat, it doesn't have to be perfect. The more details often become more confusing rather than helpful, but also record what you feel your energy levels, um, any sort of digestive discomforts and the severity of them. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the details of the symptoms are what's important. So for example, if somebody has really strong smelling gas versus a lot of gas that isn't strong smelling, it's a little bit of a different list as to what will go down. And easily by far my number one reason that people have gas and bloating that I think we should be looking at is a simple basic lactose intolerance. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of people, say that they're fine with milk or that they don't have any concerns. So we do a simple elimination and you can do this with any food. If you ever have any concerns and you're wondering if a food is causing the problems, stop eating that food for two weeks and then eat it at that two week mark. What that does is it gives your body a break. It gives you a chance to potentially get over whatever the symptoms are. Honestly, I find that sometimes that helps, sometimes that doesn't, but where the real moment of clarity comes in is when you reintroduce that food that you haven't had for two weeks. And have a decent amount of it, like have it for a couple of meals in the day, whether it be, say, an egg for breakfast and an egg for lunch or, you know, milk for breakfast, milk for lunch or celery for breakfast and cellar for lunch or what have you. Um, give it a good challenge and you will absolutely know if that is causing you a problem because you'll have a symptom jump. It'll be usually quite obvious. It's usually very in your face and it eliminates any uncertainty we have as to whether we have symptoms and exactly what symptoms come from that food group.
0: So, lactose intolerance would be like di- dairy, right? It's um something. Eggs. Eggs. Exactly, yeah.
1: Uh, eggs? No, yeah. It's a common misconception. So, eggs actually have nothing to do with the dairy family. Um, but for whatever reason, I'm actually not sure where it came from originally. But it's it's a really common misconception that they're they're tied into the same group. Um, eggs, eggs are, um, from a totally different animal. They, they come from chickens and from other things. I mean, cows don't lay eggs, but for some reason, dairy, we kind of include eggs in that, or I've, I've heard people talk that way and they can both cause issues, but they're usually quite different And lactose intolerance is a very specific type of food reaction where the sugar called lactose isn't appropriately broken down by our body's enzymes. So the enzyme is called lactase. Um, If we don't have enough of this lactase enzyme to break down lactose, that lactose sugar goes further down into that digestive tract completely unbroken down and bacteria get a hold of it. So the problem is that bacteria will break it down in a way that ferments, it physically creates gas. So we physically have to pass that gas. We feel gassy bloated, causes some irritation as well. So we get a little bit of constipation, diarrhea or both. Um, It causes a reaction that doesn't feel very good. so in those cases, a simple lactase digestive enzyme can help in the times where you know you need to have that milk or whatever the case. But it's always important first to, to figure it out because it might be lactose, it might not. And if
0: mm. it is,
1: it can be as simple as switching to coconut or almond or hemp or soy. Or There's so many different milk alternatives now. Um, or if you need to have those foods, sometimes it's quite simple as just introducing that basic enzyme and we can completely have a symptom resolution, or at least the vast majority of symptoms are gone. And that enzyme should help you that day. Like the bloating should be gone tomorrow if you're lactose intolerant and you spend today taking that enzyme with your lactose containing foods.
0: Well, great information. And you know, if you if it's left untreated, um, what are some things that can happen? It can get worse, right? <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good question to ask is how important is this for my health? Is it just discomfort or is this going to have longer lasting effects? So it probably comes down to the cause of what's going on in digestive wise. Simple gas and bloating itself, say from lactose intolerance, probably isn't that bad. It causes a little bit of irritation. So it's not something that we would ideally have long-term. Um, I've actually, I've had a, a spouse, uh, like a couple that uh, came in a while ago, just popped into my brain and I, I, truly believe it strengthened their relationship to not have him be as gassy and to, to have his, uh, his offensive, uh, you know, gas as he had. So I think that, that was kind of a hidden benefit of improving those things. All he ended up doing was cutting out the cream in his coffee. He didn't otherwise have any major lactose exposure, but that daily cream was enough to cause that problem. And I, for whatever reason, like coffee cream, I see all the time causing those digestive problems. So I, I often start with that simple basic thing. But otherwise, if we're having digestive problems because there's a more a stronger inflammatory process going on, so especially if we're seeing mucus in stool and it, it looks just like it sounds, it, it's almost like we blew our nose into the bowl. Or um, it's you can Google it if you want a better perspective. But honestly, Google brings up the most horrendous pictures of things, so I, I'd caution that a bit, and you know that's a viewer beware kind of thing. But if you're seeing those bigger symptoms, that is much more likely something that is a bigger process in the body and that's probably worth addressing as soon as you can so that it doesn't doesn't move on. Beyond that, um, it's because there's such a wide range of things that can contribute, um, it's a little bit of a difficult question to ask, but in the vast majority of cases, it's not that big of a deal beyond the discomforts, but I can tell you that when you get past those discomforts and you see how easy it is to actually either change the diet or make some minor adjustments to allow allow you to be able to eat those foods, Um, it's usually very much worth it. And most people are quite happy they did and quite happy they made some very minor adjustments to have a significant improvement in how they feel.
0: Right, wonderful information. And Dr. Millen, is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, digestion is a very important part of what we do. And I, I think it's another thing we should really try to normalize. We should be a little bit more familiar with what the digestive process is, or at the very least, Be aware of what's going on in our body. So when something changes, we can pay attention to that. Um, Step one: if you notice a change, I would try to look back at when that change started and see if you were eating a different food. See if you had a major stress around that time. Like, see if there's an obvious cause or an obvious pattern that we can discern. Because sometimes that pattern will tell us exactly what the treatment is. And in many cases, it's a very simple thing. Like your body doesn't like eating enchiladas three times a day, (laughs) (laughs) for example. Yeah. um, But beyond that, um, if you do have gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, if this is a daily thing for you, even if it's been there for years and years, I can tell you in many, many, many cases, we can move past that. It's often not that complicated of a treatment to try to get people to have a a healthier digestive system. Step one is always to work through the basics and probably 80, I don't know, somewhere 60 or 80% of the digestive issues that get quite a bit better are completely the basics, things like lactose intolerance, um, getting away from the sources of lactose or trying to treat the, you know, by offering enzymes or some way of mitigating that effect. Um, In some cases, it's a little bit more involved where we actually offer, say, a herbal mild antibiotic to change the digestive tract. Um, In some cases, probiotics make a big difference. I don't recommend them long-term. A single bottle is probably a good trial. That's all most people ever need, in my opinion. it can be very, very simple. And I've seen people get better with very, very simple things. So if you're struggling with it, please look into it. Um, feel free to come to us or come to somebody who knows how this stuff works and can help you to move through it. It's shockingly common for people have big issues that go away very quickly with the right approach.
0: And what about, you know, keeping hydrated? That might help.
1: Definitely, yeah, yeah. So I, another sort of basic starting point, and I'm glad you brought that up, is just the simple hydration and getting enough fiber for your body. Um, our body is able to handle quite a few different kinds of fiber, and things like beans are very often looked at as something that causes us to be gassy and should be avoided. I don't think that's necessarily the case for everyone. Most of us can generate enough enzymes to break the beans and everything down. But beans, very similar to lactose, If we're not exposed to them enough we actually make less of that enzyme and in the short term we'll have more symptoms but after eating it for say three or four days you can actually get past a lot of these things so a true lactose intolerant has a ceiling to how much enzyme they can make but somebody like myself who doesn't have lactose intolerance if i don't have milk for a few months and then i have a glass of it i'll have lactose intolerance type of symptoms you can get that same type of thing with beans or with some other foods a little bit of exposure in many cases is actually the cure and that beans and similar foods can give you enough fiber to keep your digestive system healthy. So you can eat whatever you want and not have those symptoms. It might be just the one-off times you're eating those that are actually causing the problem. So mm. it's again, super interesting, uh, back to basics, but again, those, those are the answers for a surprising amount of people.
0: Yes. And people want more information. Where can they go? Uh,
1: yes. My personal website is drlucasmack.com. Um, that's, about me and my approach, I'm slowly trying to add more content and more information there so that people have a, a resource they can turn to and a place that they can they can go to from somebody who practices in these areas. And the clinic I operate is the Delbrick Integrative Medical Center. Um, the com website is it's a good place to go for that. Uh, we've just revamped that website and it's almost complete now. So the next step is going to be loading it up with different types of content that we've already accumulated. We just haven't put on it yet. So by the time you hear this, there might be quite a bit more on there and we're, we're hoping to have it build and grow with all the practitioners of the clinic.
0: Thank you, Dr. McMillan. Uh, it's always great to chat with you and I'd like you to come back.
1: Yes, well, thank you so much. I definitely enjoy getting the word out and talking about these things. It's, I mean, it's health. We should be talking about them. So thank you for giving us a platform to speak on. And and thanks for letting me be a part of it. I'm absolutely interested in doing more.
0: Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Dr. McMillan. Bye for now. Thanks.